You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name's Angelica. I'm your host, and joining me is my lovely co-host, Ryan. Say hey, Ryan. Hello. Hey, guys. We are back for another recap series um and i we felt like the perfect series to tackle would be love uh, lovecraft country that's a mouthful um (laughs) it's a tongue twister um and lovecraft country i'm gonna have a hard time with this one (laughs) it's based off the 2016 book written by Mark Ruff um, which is inspired by writer um, H.P. Lovecraft um, who (laughs) ironically enough was a notorious racist Um, this show is from the viewpoint of three black characters in 1950s Chicago and at some point in the series we end up in the northeast but it's kind of like jim crow era 1950s um with a science fiction twist so uh this show really got my attention when i heard about it um what about you brian or ryan oh my goodness it's been a minute guys i'm rusty it'll be it'll be fun to kind of get back into it um yeah this one i i heard a lot of um I didn't I didn't get to see it when it first came out, but I heard a lot of reviews of people saying it was different than what they thought. And I would say I have to agree with that. Um, the first thing that threw me in is I love a good um, sci-fi, like anything that has to do with any kind of separate supernatural things I'm into already. Right. So um, that pulled me in. But I love that it because I'm kind of getting at a point in, in the time period that we're in now where such a heavy weight to bear a lot of the, um, you know, the racism we're in the Jim Crow. You're kind of at the certain point you're like can I keep can I keep taking you know that beating of having that information thrown out you know having to watch that but I love but it's so it's so it's subtle but it's not subtle the way they work it in and I like that like I like how they give you a good combination of yes we're in the sci-fi world there are a lot of magic and mystery that you don't understand but you still have that racism that the that's within that that people need to understand and it's a new way of presenting it so yeah. I think that's going to be very interesting as we kind of work our way through the season and everybody starts checking it out. It's going to be uh, real interesting to see what Twitter and Instagram, what everybody thinks about it. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a horror in a sense that I like how, you know, the true monsters here aren't necessarily these creatures. Right. It's the humans, you know, um, white supremacists, bigots, uh, you know, the people that enforce these Jim Crow laws back in the 50s and even before then um so i i do like that perspective and um just to give you guys some history so hp lovecraft was a pretty prolific writer um in the 19 uh, he was a uh, pretty popular 1920s 1930s and he is considered like the almost like the father of horror and, and weird fiction um he created the shared universe 
that's used a lot in science fiction called, um, and I can, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but it's called Chetulhu Mythos, uh, which is basically like where monsters live, uh, where all these horror tropes and settings are kind of all shared. And he kind he basically developed this world. Um, and so the jumping point for this series would be his work. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, he was a notorious racist. Uh, he even wrote a piece called The Creation of the Nigger. Uh, he thought that blacks were less than basically about equal to animals. Uh, so this show is basically a big middle finger to him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they bring it up a lot, quite a bit. Yeah, like uh, yeah. he was a racist, just to make sure you know. Just so you know. Um, so. It's almost like taking the power back, which is what I really love about the series. I don't Uh think H.P. Lovecraft would be a fan of knowing there's a show with three black leads uh, (laughs) with his namesake. So I thought that was pretty pretty cool. And, you know, his creatures, his creations, um, all things that he's inspired is weaved into this series, which is, you know, for someone like me, I love science fiction. I'm sure you do. And it's set in, you know, the 50s. I'm a really big Mm -hmm. fan of, like, period pieces and just going back in time. So this is just kind of, like, your perfect combination of all the things that I'm into. So, yeah. So let's get into it. Um, Actually, no. Uh, Ryan, give me your first thoughts of just this episode. No spoilers. Just overall, how did you enjoy this episode? Uh, This episode was really good. I, I really liked it. Um, I'm trying to think of words without giving spoilers of why I like mm-hmm. certain things. Um, but yeah, I'll just say, yeah, because again, it was that really good mixture of if you're looking for sci-fi, if you're looking for um, uh, mystical, um, it's that escape, but it gives you, as you mentioned, it gives you that historical references. You know, racism is a big thing these days that I hope continues to get pointed out and not just little time periods that we go back and focus on it. Mm-hmm. So I think that this t- this piece came out at the right time for everybody to see this. So yeah, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can agree with you on that. Um, I-, I will say this show, from what I've seen online, did throw people off because it's so different. And as we progress through the rest of the season, um, every episode almost ha- almost has its own feel, like a mm-hmm. different genre or different. Right piece from Lovecraft's universe uh so this first episode was kind of like a thriller for me you know a missing person we'll get into it a thriller uh (laughs) the Mm -hmm. some of the some of the most horrible things in this show are were actual reality like for this episode um and we'll get into it yeah yeah so you know and then it's you know this is produced by J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele so I know they're going to give me a good show (laughs) There's no yeah, doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so let's get into it. So we open up with our hero, Atticus Freeman, who's played by Jonathan Majors. And I'm going to emphasize the fact that his last name is Freeman. Freeman. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> obviously, that's going to be a significance considering we're probably not too many years removed from slavery. Still, he lives, he's from, well, he lives in Florida, which is mm-hmm. segregated. Um, and... We open up with a war scene, your traditional war story. It's black and white. You hear like the almost like the the record playing in the background mm. and you see this black soldier kind of fighting through things. He comes up out of this foxhole and everything turns to color. And what you see before you is not what you expect in a war. Um, you see aliens <laughs> and 
<laughs> and spaceships. And it's like a scene straight out of War of the Worlds. Um, and then you see this woman in red, like her body is, is the, the skin tone of, of red pigmentation. Mm-hmm. Um, although she, you can tell she looks Asian. So I know I'm like, oh, that's Jamie Chung. I mean, I, I knew her off bat, but she yeah, comes she down like, that, yeah, you know her when she comes on scene. Yeah. Yeah. So she comes down like Deja from Mars, which is, um, from a princess of Mars, uh, the John Carter series. She comes down from the heavens, from this, from the spaceship, the saucer. And she almost like seduces Atticus tick. Um, and then there's a monster that comes up behind him and you think all is lost. And then Jackie Robinson comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Jackie Robinson. And you know, in the background, um, like the, the lyrics were like a boy in his dreams. So you hear that. And then you hear about like the Negroes and bass and baseball and how it's still part of the culture. So I guess it's all this mix, mixed match of things that Atticus is dreaming about. Right. Um, so Jackie Robinson kind of like takes out the alien, like Will Smith and MIB with the swing of a bat and there's guts everywhere. And it's really like fun. Like it's just, you feel like you're at the movies and then he wakes up and he's at the back of a bus with this book on his chest and he has a there's an older black lady next to him and she's saying like oh no big deal we're just you know passing another bridge or going over top of another bridge named after some old slave master you know no big deal um (laughs) and then tick just kind of gives it the middle finger and is like good riddance to to jim crow um so clearly he's coming from the south into the midwest at this point and he's going back to chicago so the music rolls and you can hear, you know, more songs about dreams. And then suddenly the bus breaks down. And that's not a good look for these two travelers. They're black. Um, they're surrounded by white folks. The driver ends up going to find someone else to help them go to their next stop. It's this like redneck and a big pickup. He's eyeing Tick like he's some type of threat. Tick knows he's not going to be able to go to the back of that truck. So he and the lady just kind of walk to Chicago. He takes her luggage and they walk to Chicago. I like, I really like this. Um, I, I like that there was, you obviously there's parts I didn't like about the scene. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the racism is always going to be an undertone of a lot of these things. Um, right. But I thought it was, I thought him and the woman had an interesting conversation or interesting, you know, moment on screen because you're right. kind of figuring out, you're like, well, what, what are they going to do? Like what's going to happen? Cause you know, it can't be good. Right. Once the, once the bus breaks down. But also I want to point out, um, because I'm going through um you got me started on the audio book, so I'm going through listening to the book. Um, when they do this in the book starting out, he's driving by a cell mm. and like a car he was able to buy with like, you know, what little money they give you for being a veteran for work for being in the war. Okay. And he ends up his thing is he ends up getting like a flat tire that he doesn't have a replacement for. Mm. So it ends up taking him into like, you know, he goes to this Confederate um, uh, car repair shop. And of course they won't let him buy a tire. They're not going to help him fix the tire. And so it ends up being this long drawn out process of, you know, at one point he gets stopped by a police officer and, you know, um, and, uh, and, you know, just having to just sit in the car and wait for a black tow, tow, uh, tow truck mm. driver. To come but I just thought it was an interesting take how they flipped it around. And kind of made it, you know, TV, you got to make it shorter. You got to condense it down. But I just found it interesting how they, they kind of switched it up and gave us, like, the moment with these two characters 
to kind of, you know, not hit us so much with, okay, we already know, you know, we already know, okay, this is two black people, just the bus broke down. We obviously know nobody's giving them a ride. Right. They're not getting back. You know, they're not going to be treated like the other passengers. So I just thought that was like a little nice kind of, you know, a moment to take something out of something that's so negative and that yeah. sucks to be carrying these suitcase, so suitcases for miles, depending on how far they got to go. Right. Yeah. It, it was a quiet moment. Um, and it kind of gave you kind of set the, the the groundwork for what type of world they live in um, in a very right. short time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, yeah, I definitely appreciate that. And then just backing up a little bit, the song that was playing um, throughout this this first scene was Shaboom, Life Could Be a Dream. Um, and it was a 1954 hit. Uh so that's what they play. It was written and recorded by a black doo-wop group called The Chords, but it was later covered by a white group called The Crew Cuts, um, mm. which is the version that we hear on the show. So they kind of played the gentrified version, uh, which makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Shaboom. Interesting. Shaboom. That's I like shaboom. it. Shaboom. Life is a dream. So <laughs> going with these characters on this journey. So the lady, we never get her name, but you know, she seems to have kind of taken a liking to tick and vice versa. They're kind of protective of each other, considering that they're only two black travelers on this bus. And at this I point like on this road. Tick, by the way. Yeah, right. Tick. Atticus. It's definitely less of a mouthful. Tick, 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 boom. It took me a minute. I was like, is it Attic? It took me a minute. I was like, Atticus, tick. Like it took me a minute to figure out what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot his name was i, I feel you yeah, on that I was, like, I was like tick like what i was like you know like the first moment where you try to get all the characters down and you're like what yeah who's tick oh atticus Man, you <laughs> come up with that so um as they walk the lady asks tick about what he's reading he tells her he's reading a princess of mars and he tells her about the adventures of john carter who was an ex-confederate captain and she's like hold on a second you, what do you mean ex-confederate captain he fought for slavery you don't get to put x in front of that and tick just tells her like you know stories are like people you know they have flaws you still find a way to cherish them and overlook said flaws and besides he loves pulp fiction he loves you know people going on adventures and saving the world and going to all these exotic places he didn't get to do that as a kid growing up on the south side of chicago um and he mm-hmm. kind of tells the lady or the lady says, well, that's why you went to, to join the army, right? And he's like, well, I joined the army, not for adventures. I joined it to get away from my father, which coincidentally, I'm coming back home because my father is missing. So now we know why Tick is returning home. Yeah. So that sets the scene for that. So that kind of sets the main plot point. His father's missing. So we end up going to Chicago now. So the first section I titled... Um, a boy in his dream. What are we gonna call these segments now? <laughs> I don't Love- know. I mean, I, I kind of like. I really kind of like the way you broke it up right now. But yeah, it's gonna get interesting as we go. I don't know how we're gonna because it's tough because there's so many ways to pull from this show. Because even yeah. the episode titles, like I don't even know how they chose the episode titles to be honest. Because there's oh, so well, many, this- just so many little different things in the episode. Yeah, well, this episode was titled Sundowns. I forgot to mention that. And there is a very good reason why they titled this episode yeah, Sundowns. I could have titled it something else, too, but I get it. I get the why yeah. they titled it that. But I'm just like, this. there's so many layers to each episode. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know how they do. I don't know how they pick all this stuff. So I don't know. We got to think. I'm sure you're going to say something as, as we go that is going to be like, oh, there you go. That's how we name <laughs> this segment. I don't know. Maybe like Lovecraft licks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I told you. See, you gotta keep playing with it. You'll think of something eventually that we're gonna name. Oh, 
we'll settle for Lovecraft licks for now. Bite something. Anyways, yes, I don't have to have yeah, a, a, you might a, have to a go with bites or something. I mean, it gets crazy. <laughs> <laughs> bites yeah bites might be appropriate uh, <laughs> so we're in Chicago now we open up on George Freeman who's played by Courtney B. Vance and he's with his wife Hippolyta, Hippolyta? Yeah. I want to say Hippolyta but I know it's not Hippolyta Hippolyta yeah yeah, uh, yeah. played by Anjanue Ellis and they're in bed um obviously they're married older married couple you know just lying in bed talking um apparently Uncle George, he writes guidebooks and Hippolyta wanted to, you know, she's been helping him write these books based off his notes. And she's like, how about, you know, I go out on the road by myself one day and I can write from my own notes. And he's like, ah, honey, you know, it's, it's bad out there for a black man. I really can't imagine a woman on her own. And she doesn't seem too happy about it, but he eventually, you know, distracts her with some grown folks business. Uh, <laughs> he wants to see his wife in the daylight, apparently. I was uh, like, All right, Courtney, let's keep it. I, I went back yeah. into I went back into Courtney Vance on this scene. I was like, yeah. I mean, I, I was like, mm, okay. It's black love, and you love it, but it's like watching your parents have sex. Yeah, you don't, it was. That's, you don't. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. That's how I felt. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not hating against it, but I'm like, mm. uh, we were basically in a for- small apartment. Yeah, with the with the with the thin walls. I mean, we felt like yeah. Diana felt. I mean, she said yeah. it, which is her daughter, who's played by uh, Jada Harris. She, you know, she was in the living room. You know, did, apparently she's an artist and she's just sketching something out, and she hears like noises, love making, and she's like, "Gross." Which yeah. is, I was like, "Yep, that's that's, that's <laughs> what I felt." <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. you don't want to hate on them because you want that. You know, it's black love, like you said, but it's just so like. Cause yeah, it's just because like, both of them have played those roles too, where they've been, you know, well, they were the parents, of, you know, obviously, but like played parents as well, and the other stuff that's really good, and it's just like that's all you can see. You're like yeah. trying to pick yourself out of it, but it's just so weird. Yeah, you can't. It's, it's it's quite literally. I mean, I'm sure people their age are like, yeah, get it, but I was just yeah. like, oh, please no. Please. Yeah, I was like, oh, I was like any other kind of seed. I was like, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, middle age love deserves to be on screen too. So let's let's not be ageist over here. <laughs> yeah, like I hate. Yeah, I was like, I I kind of feel like I might be ageist when I said that, but I just I just was trying to. Cause look, I'm not saying I say I love them as a couple. I'm not saying that, but it's just what it gets. I'm just pointing out stuff that might have been in the back of people's head when yeah. they were watching it. Like, I mean, yeah. hey, keep doing your thing. You know, we need, we need all kinds of black love on television exactly so yeah we will transition over to diana saying gross and she's she's, you know she's basically trying to get away from her parents and their their love making noises um and she ends up getting scared uh she gets surprised by tick who's decided to take the the window into the house yeah yeah yeah, you know so she screams they're like what is going on out here and so it's tick their nephew and they're you know they're overjoyed they're happy to see him it's all good um so tick goes later on the day goes to uh uncle george's place of business and we learn you know he writes these guys called safe negro travel which is essentially a green book um for anyone that's unaware green books are basically guides that helped black people travel in the south or just anywhere where blacks weren't wanted you know what to avoid what not to avoid what you can and cannot say so that's what uncle george does for a living he travels he takes notes and he has basically a a negro's 
guide to safety, essentially. And I, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Take I was going to say, I didn't know, um, I read it in the book, but I didn't know, I, well, I assume that's how they get their money, because I was wondering about, too, like, you know, financially, how it was supporting them to do that, I think, because mm-hmm. I think the overall is, like, pretty much, a, it's a travel agency, because in the mm-hmm. book, um, his wife is already, like, traveling around doing stuff, which I thought was interesting that they didn't start the show out like that. Yeah. He was already, like, you know, um, at spas and trying to find, like, different areas to, to bring back and talk about, so that yeah. the overall idea was that they own a travel agency. Yeah, and I will say this. Mark Ruff, while brilliant writer, um, he's white. <laughs> so, you know, he did yeah, his best, yeah. most likely. Um, but this show has more black voices, more black writers. So it probably would. I mean, if we think about it, would a black woman traveling on her own really be a good idea in the early 1950s? That's true. That's probably true. Not. That's true. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, like you pointed it out. Yeah, being dad is, yeah. I mean, that's why you have more representation behind the camera. Yeah, absolutely. Not, <laughs> not taken away from him at all because he built this world essentially. Um, but just, you know, having a little bit more color <laughs> in the writer's room probably change a few things up. Or all, or when they get to travel, you know, travel together would, yeah. would have been interesting. You know, it's a lot. But yeah, you understand. You understand definitely why he was, why Uncle George was predictive and was like, maybe just, you know, wait this one out a couple times or maybe you go here in the future, but wait it out for right now. Yeah, absolutely. He's protecting his wife. Um, so Tick is kind of wandering the office. Uh, you know, he has like his travel guides. He has his good old car, Woody. Um, he has like an own shop within his store, which I thought was a pretty cool workspace. And he has bookshelves. Mm-hmm. So Tick wanders and kind of happens upon the Outsiders and Others by H.P. Lovecraft. And Uncle George was like, oh, you're getting acquainted with old friends. And Tix is saying, not exactly. Um, his father, Montrose, who's played by Michael K. Williams, was not really a fan of pulp fiction, of, of science fiction, especially not H.P. Lovecraft. He actually made Tick memorize the creation of of the nigger uh just kind of really drive it home like don't read this trash this is this is like the man who writes this trash wanted him to read more respectable things so that's kind of representative of montrose and tick's relationship it wasn't a good one so apparently montrose has been missing for about two weeks Tick is like, you know, wh- what's going on with him? And Uncle George is saying, like, look, he's, you know, he he be on the sauce. So apparently he's a he's an alcoholic. He assumed he was out on a bender, but his landlord showed up looking for him. He hadn't paid rent. So now at this point, everybody's worried. Um, and Tick reveals that his father actually wrote him a letter. And it was very cryptic and very odd. Um, he basically tells Tick about his mother's lineage, which apparently is kind of hidden in mystery. Um, he tells them that the past is a living thing, which you own and you owe and you owe. Um, Tick has a secret legacy, a birthright that was kept from him all this time. And, you know, Uncle George is like, oh, your dad's still obsessed with your mama and where she came from and her ancestors. So apparently he wants him to go to Arkham Mass, which I guess Arkham was the publishing company for Lovecraft. Uh, so Tick is like, yeah, this is weird. And daddy wants me to go to Lovecraft. Well, not daddy, but daddy wants me to go to Lovecraft country. Mm. So apparently uh, Tick is a little bit illiterate. And <laughs> Uncle George is like, no, that's not a K. That's a D. He wants you to go mm. to Artem. Well, Artem apparently isn't even really a thing, but we'll get into that later. Uh, so Tick decides to get more information on his father. So he walks to a neighboring bar and, 
And I like how the music at this point picks up. It's pretty modern. Um, It's like from our era. And I kind of like that mix. I I like shows that do that because it kind of ties our worlds together in a way. So the music picks up. He's like walking through the streets of Chicago. You see kids playing in the fire hydrant. You see, you know, an army captain or officer recruiting young black men, which is basically what (laughs) happened to Tick. Uh, you know, he's passing under the bridges in Chicago. Just really nice, just, you know, world world building here. Tick walks into the bar and he runs into like an old childhood friend or classmate named Tree. And Tree's like, hey, we're shutting down for the black party early. Tick ignores him. He's looking for the bar owner. And Tree's like, oh, snap. Tick, is that you? I can barely recognize you without them Coke bottle glasses. Okay. <laughs> Apparently the army did tick bodies well because um, he was like a little skinny, you know, bespeckled nerd back in the day. Now he a grown man. Um, and Tick's not even trying to catch up. He's like, yo, you know, where's Sammy at? And where's the dude with the earrings? I thought that was an odd description, but whatever. So he's like, oh, Sammy, he out back. <clears throat> Sammy was definitely out back getting, um, getting some head for lack of a better word. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't really, yeah, I don't really know how you how you slide that one in there, but you know, you know, that's what was happening. Yeah. You probably don't want to yeah. put somebody in the back like that, but you know, yeah, he had to go find them. Yeah, he had to go find them. Can't really avoid that scene. Um, so and Sammy just puts his pants up like nothing happened, and Tick don't make it weird either. He just starts talking like, "Yeah, yeah where's my like, dad? Let's keep moving. Yep, <laughs> let's keep it going, old boy. You know that was." giving out the pleasure just ran off somewhere (laughs) so out so um he's like you know where's my dad and he's like well i haven't seen him on my bar still in a few weeks last time i saw him he was you know walking away with a white man and tick's like well was it a cop and he's like no it was you know must have been somebody with money i didn't see the car though but tree told me it was a silver sedan and it had to be foreign because the way it took off it had to be expensive so there's this mysterious silver sedan that we see throughout this episode um so tick is kind of like okay like there's definitely something afoot at this point um, so later at the black party, we are treated to Ruby, who's played by Wunmi Musaku, performing something super soulful, like Sister Kim Blow. She got on her tight dress. She got her hair up, her flower in her hair. Very Billie Holiday. I was feeling it. I was loving it. Um, and she's working the crowd. She asked them, like, what's the next song y'all want to hear? And they asked for something. And she's like, you want to hear that? That white nonsense? Come on now. Give me some soul. So as... This is all going on. We see Letitia who gets out the car. She's a photographer and she's played by Journey Smollett. Um, apparently her and Ruby are related. They're sisters. And she shouts, you know, sing a whole lot of shaking going on. Apparently Letty is just as talented as her sister. They get to singing. They get to shaking. They work up the crowd. They work up a sweat. I was feeling it. Um, yeah, I want to be invited to a Chicago block party because they do that in the shy a lot too. Um, the yeah, shy. so I've been, I, you know, I'm like, man, it's always like really good music and everything. Like, you, I just love how they have like you get to see it in this show back in the day, block parties, and then like now. So, I don't know, I always thought I think it's like a real cool vibe how they always throw it in the shows like this. Um, yeah, yeah I think it's gonna be real cool to see what goes on with um, with uh, Leticia and uh, Ruby. Yeah, they have yeah, interesting, Ruby. interesting, yeah. 
Yeah, Ruby and Letty, they have an interesting dynamic. Um, So after they do all the singing, you know, Ruby gets her tips. And she's like, what you want, Letty? <laughs> I know you want some money. And don't think because you sang one song with me, you're going to get these tips. And Letty's like, girl, you know, I do not need your money. But um, can I have a place to stay? Ruby's like, what? Yeah, okay. Not you know, I'm not having it. So... Ruby tells her like look you can stay with me I'm staying at a boarding house you can stay in my room Letty's like a boarding house she's like yes a boarding house and Letty's like well why are you there she said well because the mama's funeral so apparently Ruby had to pay towards her mother's funeral hence why she's in this little boarding room at a boarding house so she got she gave Letty two days and then she has to be out Letty's like well how am I supposed to find a job in two days she said we'll work on the north side and she said, oh, no, I'm not about to clean no houses. And she said, well, what do you think you're going to do? Apply at these department stores? Because I've been trying for years and I cannot get it. And just to kind of bring these into perspective, um, Letty is, you know, a small frame, light-skinned woman. Her sister, Ruby, is dark-skinned, curvy. So I think in many ways, I think Letty would have gotten that job on Northside because she's kind of more palpable for the white folks you know she's not as as black for lack of a better word she's more eurocentric whereas letty is clearly a black woman a dark-skinned woman so she would be discriminated against so letty definitely got that you know lighter skin privilege let's be clear and she, she clearly is very spoiled she gets her way she's nothing like her sister her sister looks like she's worked hard all her life whereas letty's just been kind of tittering around doing whatever so they, they definitely have like a strained relationship. And apparently, I'm not sure if this is in the books, but they're half sisters. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah. Yeah, that's coming up. Yeah. I, I, um, as I get deeper into that, yeah, they're half sisters. And it's so much, I don't know, it's so many layers to her family. Because um, you go, you get to meet more family members as you go throughout the show. I'm not sure if it's mm-hmm. this episode or not. Um, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's the whole family dynamic. I'm very interested to see because Letty, like you know, her uh, journey, like just amazing. I love anything she's gonna be in because right. she just has you on the edge of your, you don't know what side. Because right now, like you said, we're getting a very like you know she is the one that's seen because it's unfortunate that's how it is in in the United States how the way they see color. She yeah. has more privilege. Um, you know, she's also has that, that rap of being spoiled when you see her around her, her, um, siblings and things that are, that have been given to her. And she's kind of like this, oh, well, I'm just going to do this and this is what I want to do. So yeah, it's exactly. very interesting to see how that's going to like affect her and how it goes. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be definitely interesting to see her dynamic and them being half sisters and what that did to them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like outside of racism, there is its cousin colorism. Um, and Letty is definitely a benefactor of colorism, um, and clearly has gotten by in life, probably mostly off her looks and her skin tone alone. Mm -hmm. Um, she's a smart woman. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they, how they play that up. Yes. It's it's a sad reality, but I definitely think they found two women that can really, it's going to give us a run for our money on how they balance it out and how it works Mm -hmm. out. Yeah, absolutely. I love their dynamic. Um, Luddy holds her own, but Ruby, <laughs> Ruby ain't one to play with either. Right, so right. yeah, she's bringing it. Yeah. She's pushing it through. She's not letting that get to her. And it's gone. It's yeah, it's very interesting. Cause I'm trying to say as little as possible, not to ruin it, but it's very interesting. Okay. How it goes. Yeah. yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Right. Uh, so as they're kind of discussing all this, Luddy notices tick. He actually, while they were singing, opened up the fire hydrant, which the cops had shut down earlier. And he's like, eh, bump that. 
You know, I'm going I'm to let the kids have fun. So Lottie was like, oh, who's that? And she was like, is that Atticus? And Lottie was like, or Ruby was like, yeah, he all grown up, girl. She said, okay, I see you. <laughs> so clearly there's an attraction there. I mean, at some, at, while she was singing, you know, Tick was ogling her. So there's definitely something going on. I mean, we don't see it at this moment, but there's going to be something going on between Tick and Letty. There's yeah. some attraction there. Um, so... Later that night, George and Tick discuss the location of Artem. Apparently, it dates back 200 years, but it no longer exists. The town, the township, the home, whatever it is, Artem does not exist. But it's somewhere in Devon County, Massachusetts. Now, they have this guide, this book, but they also have maps. And for each location, you know, kind of like to to, to let them know, like, the danger, um, Diana actually draws these like fantastical images. So they're looking through and they're looking at Devon County and it's a brown wizard, which (laughs) doesn't really bode well for them. And it's Massachusetts. And I mean, I don't, I've only really been to Rhode Island, Providence, which coincidentally is where HP Lovecraft was born and raised. Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't, I mean, when I was there, there was a smattering of black people. Um, They're all mostly in East Providence, a lot of Puerto Ricans, a lot of Cape Verdeans. Um, but the that part of the country, especially in like Boston, I mean, it kind of does have like a racist <laughs> reputation mm-hmm. <laughs> if we want to keep it a buck. So going to that air, and it's interesting to me, actually, now that I, we bring this up, we're talking about segregation. We're talking about um, how blacks are treated. But yeah. when you really think about it, you always think of the South. Like when you think of racism you always think of the South, but you really don't think of the Northeast. You know what I'm saying? You don't think of the North being a racist yeah. place. That's where yeah. the union is, but it's pretty bad actually. <laughs> when you, yeah. Yeah. when you go through the history of it all. So I just wanted to bring that up. So anywho's the George is like, not going to let Tick go by himself. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go with you. We're going to take Woody, which is his reliable car. I have to take, you know, I have to, you know, write some more for the user guide or the travel guide. And Devon County seems like a great place to start. So they agreed to the travel there. On the way home to his father's apartment, um, Tick is actually being followed by the silver car, the same car that supposedly took his father. So I'm just like, okay, what's afoot here? And he gets settled in. He like takes out a book and he decides to call to South Korea. I mean, considering that he fought in the war, it's not out of the scope of reality that he was, you know, he spent some time in Korea. Um, And so he calls collect. A woman picks up and she goes, Tick, is that you? You went home. You shouldn't have. Like super, super spooky. (laughs) And he hangs up. And I'm just like, was it that woman from his dream? You know, the red Asian woman? Was that it? I don't know. But... We shall see. Um, one thing about the series is they like to sprinkle these little breadcrumbs and yeah, everything. It's a, lot of we shall, yeah, it's a lot of we shall see as we go. Yeah, we shall see. So this next Lovecraft bite, I guess, um, I titled The Road or The Midwest because they spent a lot of time kind of crossing the country during this segment. Yeah. So Dick catches Letty helping to pack up Woody. Um, and, they, you know, they catch up. He's like, oh, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Hey, Letty. And you know, apparently Letty used to be a nerd back in the day too. She was part of their science fiction club. Um, and you know, they catch up and she asks, you know, how was Florida? And he's like segregated. 
And then he asked her what she's been up to. And she's been all over doing all kinds of things. We don't know what Luddy does, but apparently she travels a lot. Um, and apparently uh, Luddy is joining them on their trip. And Uncle George says, well, halfway, because uh, halfway to Devon County lives her brother Marcus, who apparently works for a museum and he does a lot of research. So he could probably give them a lot of information on Devon County. So they're going to basically take Letitia to him because she clearly ain't going to stay with her sister. So she's going to try to mooch off of someone else in true Luddy form. (laughs) (laughs) So they have like this little checklist. Um, Kipalata meets them outside with Diana and they go over this travel checklist. And then they decide to forget Diana D's travel comic. And George is like, yeah, we need that. I want to know what happens to the Panther man, which I feel like was a nod to the Black Panther, you know, and mm, yeah, RIP yeah. to Chadwick Boseman, by the way. Um, yeah, so I was yeah. like, oh, that was a nice little nod. Yeah, that's like a little put in there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, like and, she, I also definitely like that she she draws comics, obviously. So I cannot wait yeah. to see with this next edition as we go through the show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if uh, D was... Was, was around today she would be a black girl nerd like a hundred percent so yeah, i agree that one yep yeah she's right up our alley so d changed um you know from the panther man to orinthia blue which resembles her mother and hippolyta is touched by this and she gives her a hug and then they kind of see their father off you know have a good trip so on the road as you know, James Baldwin speaks on the American dream and the American Negro. We are treated to, I wouldn't say treated, we are treated to the treatment of black people across the country. Um, you know, Tick is mocked as he's eating a banana. You know, he's being called a monkey and he restrains himself, but ends up throwing, excuse me, the banana peel at this white guy at this gas station making fun of him. Um, we see a black father with two little black girls they're trying to get ice cream. They're getting completely ignored by the server who's attending to a white family. Um, and then we even see like a sundown sign, which is the title of this episode. You know, Negroes or in this case, niggas need to be out by the time the sun hits or mm-hmm. by sundown, which I didn't even know sundown towns were a thing. Right. That's, it's unbelievable. That's just the whole thing. And the other scenes coming up is just unbelievable to me. I was just sitting here like my mouth was just open the entire time. Like you just when you think stuff cannot continue to shock you. Right. It shocks you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it just, yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was kind of foreshadowing for the rest of the episode. Um, so Uncle George, you know, they end up taking a rest somewhere. And Uncle George says he's got a tip about a, a really great restaurant, you know, a few miles away called Letty's. And he thought it'd be nice to have lunch there. Tick isn't really too keen on it. He knows that he's heard of the area. Um, but he's like, all right, we'll go. The restaurant clearly has changed. He's saying it's a red brick building. They show up. It's a white brick building. It's no longer Letty's. It's another name. Um, they walk in and I, even as they're driving in the town, it just seems very hostile. Like the, there's like firemen at the fire station. They're looking at them crazy. They walk into this restaurant. There's like this young um, server there and there's this white guy at the counter. And the white guy leaves like clearly disgusted by the fact that it's a bunch of white uh, black people walking in. And, you know, Uncle George is trying to be optimistic. He's like, oh, don't judge a book by its cover. And Tick is like, well, books don't usually turn your service away. And Luddy's like, well, they don't usually spit in your drink either. Um, 
So clearly this guy, this white server is very shocked having three black people in his restaurant. They sit down. He kind of skitters off. Everyone's uncomfortable except for Uncle George. And he's like, my money's just as good as anyone else. You know, you're a veteran. I'm a businessman. There's no reason why we can't eat here. Right. And I was thinking to myself, Uncle George, now you know better. I also feel like the guy should have just, I mean, I guess he was just scared for just because that's just, I mean, <laughs> anyway. But I, I don't understand why he couldn't just be like, no, I'm not going to serve. You know what I mean? I just feel like the whole thing was just extra. You know, yeah, as I, it always is anyway. I'm like, you could have just had up a sign like unnecessarily anyway. But I mean, if you're just going to act the way you act in any way, not serve them, hiding around, ducking. And I'm just like, really? Yeah. Well, he was like a teenager. We'll just let him have it. Um, <laughs> So the server goes in the back. Letty decides she needs to go to the bathroom and she overhears this young man talking about, you know, I promise you I didn't serve them. They just walked in here, three of them. I didn't serve them. I know what you, you y'all did to Miss Lydia, which Letty is a nickname for Lydia. <laughs> so Letty catches on quick what's going down. It takes Uncle George and Tick a little longer to realize what's happening because, yeah. you know, Tick is looking around at the restaurant. He's like, Uncle George, remind me again why the White House was painted white. Apparently, soldiers set fire to the White House, and that's why they painted it white. They realize, they, like, pull up the the floorboards and see that it was all, like, torched. And then, and then Re- Letty runs out like, get your asses in the mother effing car! Let's go! Yeah, that was a... <laughs> Yeah, I think they had that like trended on social media and everything too, and I didn't know what see the fit. That's oh my like, god, yeah, that was pretty hilarious. She she brought I mean she brought like what little comedy or you could bring to that to that because it's just so sad anyway. But she brought yeah, I love that that little moment. She definitely did that, and she wasn't allowed to drive. But honey, she got in that Boy, car yeah. quick. <laughs> and good thing she did though. I think she. I mean, I personally feel like she helped. I think she needed to be behind the wheel personally. She definitely did. She was like, get your asses in the car. They get in the car. They start driving. Next thing you know, a bunch of bigots and, and a black truck are following them. They're shooting at them. And you're like, oh, this is like, this is the real, like, I mean, it ain't the For South, real. but it feel like it. <laughs> like, they yeah, really. extreme car chase right there. Yeah, man. So then Uncle George is like, girl, keep it steady. And she was like, girl. I'm Letitia fucking Lewis. And I'm like, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> Put it on it a bumper great. sticker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She a... had the best set. Yeah, Journey for the Win on Saints in this episode. Yes, Letitia. Um, so they're like chasing and they're coming and they, you know, they're going behind them. Your heart is racing. All this is happening. And then as they're driving down this dirt road, you see the silver car. The silver car that's been following them all along. Looks like it's about to corner them or trying to cut them off. So like Letty's driving, 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 driving. And apparently this daggone silver car was on their side. It stops dead in its tracks. The car that was chasing them flips over clearly everybody in that car is dead and then out comes this fabulous blonde woman uh mysterious at that because you're like what is going on here and i thought go ahead yeah because i thought the 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 driver of this car was a white man so i definitely wasn't you know expecting to see this cute little white girl who was played by abby lee and they kind of just look at her and drive off yeah, yeah, I was I was expecting it to be like a guy that was just like, you know, they had found another car to kind of try to make it even worse for them to cut them off, like you were saying. Um, but exactly. she gave me like this, yeah, she gave me like this Umbrella Academy mystery vibe. You know, the lady that uh, that runs the, um, 
uh, why is it escaping right now? The um the the business that um number five works for. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the like was she called the warden or the the handler? She gave you the handler yeah, vibe. It gave me that. Yeah, it gave me that handler vibe because, like you said, she like just appears so mysterious, and it's like, why is this white lady helping them? Yeah, what is going on with this? Clearly, there's something all connected to the fact that Tick has some type of lineage, some type of um birthright and right, we don't know right. who this woman is but she has to be tied somehow so they end up escaping obviously these bigots they end up you know at marcus's um nearby and marcus kind of gives them a rundown of artem or what was formerly artem uh the town nearby was founded by white witch hunters who hung a witch for sleeping with a devil who was in the image of a black man uh so you know an intelligent person can surmise that you know that wasn't the devil it seems like it was a woman that fell for a black man slept with her and said like oh the devil made me do it he came to me in the image of a black man like yeah. okay sis just just uh-huh. just say you like you know black black you know eggplant but anyways uh <laughs> <laughs> that is certainly eggplant in there wait back so the, apparently there's been several complaints about what was previously Artem, Devon County, um, made by the the NAACP. There's a bunch of missing black people. And in large part due to their sheriff, uh, who we will see later on in this Uh episode. Um, George calls Diana and Hippolyta home and he tells his wife, you know, know, I guess based off all this action that's been happening, he's like, you know what, babe? How about you and I take a trip together next time? And she, she's happy to hear that. Um, and, you know, he's looking at, when he hangs up the phone, he's looking at a copy of Dee's book, comic book. But then he folds it up, puts it away, puts it in his wallet, and pulls out a picture of Tick's mom and looks at it lovingly. So you're just like, what's going on here? Okay, that's odd. Why did he have a picture of his sister-in-law? Anywho. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll see. <laughs> well, Tick and, Tick and uh, Uncle George are outside just talking. Marcus and Letty are having it out, honey. They are yelling. Um, Marcus is upset because the money that he sent Letty to get back home for their mother's funeral, she spent it. And he's like, what? What's the point of me giving on this money? What did you do with it? And apparently she was in D.C., some type of protest and she used the money her brother sent her to bail out people you know she's obviously doing something radical doing something along the lines of an activist and you know that's why she's sleeping on couch house and traveling she's trying to make a change but her siblings ain't trying to hear it. you missed your mother's funeral like there's there's no excusing that yeah. um so they argue and he's like i don't want you to spend another night in my house again so clearly she's not gonna stay there much longer but while they're outside um Tick and Uncle George kind of have it out. And he basically says, like, you know, my dad didn't treat me really well. You know, the reason why we fell out is because I was interviewed about being a black, you know, or a Negro in the army. And my father already had a problem with me fighting a war for people that hated me. Now I'm kind of like being their 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 puppet, or you know, so his dad wasn't a fan. Apparently, he put him up against the wall and Tick was like, I can still see the plaster marks on the wall from him slamming me up against it. So clearly that was a very hostile relationship. Yeah. And George takes up for him and was like, well, your father had it really hard. You know, he was smaller than me. He was much younger than me. And he was basically beat up on by my father. I should have protected him more. 
And then Tick is like, well, he beat up on me. You didn't protect me. So it wasn't, it was yeah, kind of hard to watch. Him defending his dad on all that stuff he did. Yeah. They have a yeah. very interesting relationship to say the least. Exactly. So, and we kind of, throughout the series, we kind of learned maybe the reason why Montrose yeah. had it so bad. Um, but again, we'll get to that later. Right. Um, so the next morning, clearly Luddy is not staying with Marcus. So she leaves with them. And they are going in circles searching for this Artem. And they were trying to like look at a map and figure out maybe where the limits were or where it formerly was. And they're going in circles or in the woods. And they hear something in the woods when they stop. And Tick jokes that it's some type of creature from Lovecraft, from one of Lovecraft's stories. Um, and as they're like discussing this, and apparently it's a blob with a bunch of eyes, the sheriff, the notorious sheriff, rolls up. And he harasses and belittles them. He's like, you know, you know what a sundown town is? He was like, if I had caught y'all peeing in my woods after dark, I would be my sworn duty to hang you from them trees. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, yeah, it got yeah, it got real in that moment. It got real. Um, So he tells them, like, y'all ever heard of a sundown town? And they're like, yeah. He was like, well, this is a sundown county. Y'all need to be out sundown is at 709 they're like oh well we got time child they had like seven minutes <laughs> to get when i tell you i was on the edge of my seat this was the most intense like and it just keeps getting intense i was literally, it, i just couldn't i had to make it through i was like, just, like so nervous this whole time oh yeah it was bad like in my my anxiety so they're like okay no problem we'll just head south and he's like well that's impossible if you head south you're not going to make it in time and you would have to speed and i don't have to pull you over for that so they're like, okay, well, Tick is, you know, Tick is kind of getting smart. But Tick is like, well, you know, can we go north? And he's like, yeah, that might just work. So Tick can't help himself. He has to get the last word. And he's like, well, is it okay if I make a U-turn? So <laughs> dude's like, you too hmm. smart for your own good. He said, okay, yeah. I'll let you make a U-turn. But first, you got to ask me nicely. So Tick kind of solves his pride. And he's like, please. He's like, now nah, you can do better than that. Say, pretty please will you make this smart nigga make a u-turn man i don't know if i would be able to say that you know what yeah. just fight me just shoot me <laughs> that lady's face she was like lord he gonna lose it but like she was looking away we were all thinking he gonna go off on this man so you know tick says what this daggone share wants him to say and he lets him pop a yui they start driving. Now they're like, oh my God, how much time do we have left? They're like, four minutes. The sun, it's a fight. It's a race against time. The sheriff, the light. It's crazy. It's just crazy. I'm like, see. I don't know how they doing this right now. I will almost compare it to, um, I drive to DC quite often and there's like two parts of the highway, like stretches where there's traffic cams, like speeding mm -hmm. cams. And yeah. it says... You know, you can't go over 65. So I'm just tapping my I'm tapping my accelerator, hoping I don't go over, you know, 65 miles an hour so I don't get this dag on ticket. But there's people behind me that don't apparently don't care or don't know and are like rushing me. And I'm just like, I just want to get past the stretch. Yeah, I can't yeah. be. That's the only I can compare it to because I've never been chased out of a sundown county or a town. Um, yeah, it's just, it was just like literally finding any reason for him, for basically for him to try to kill them. Which exactly. is like, you know, and, and it's so like, it's the same how it compares to today, but it's just, it was crazy. That whole scene is just crazy. I don't know how they were making it. I'd have been done. Yeah. I don't know how they did. Yeah. I don't know how they made it as far as they did. I'd have passed out. I'd have passed out. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it was just so much pressure. It was like, you can't, 
just the situations they're put in and we're still put, you know, people are, people of color are still put in today, but just the situation they were put in, it was just like, that's unbelievable that that was yeah, a thing. Exactly. And I mean, to not to digress, but I'm going to digress. So sundown towns for people that don't know, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that, that you would get shot or lynched if you were caught in a town as a black person after dark. Yeah. They were a majority. No, they were entirely white towns mm-hmm. or counties um and there's actually a registry where you can see if where you live or in your state if there were any sundown towns and they were actually most common in the northeast they weren't actually a thing of the south that was something in the north um mm-hmm. where you could not be in you know some jurisdictions you could not be there after six o'clock or after the sun went down you end up being arrested lynched what have you um, yeah. And I actually <laughs> decided to look up my state. I live in Delaware. Um, Rehoboth Beach was actually a sundown town. So I was like, oh, oh wow. mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I won't be going there. And Wilmington was listed as a sundown town, not in the sense that it was illegal to be there, but apparently it was a white majority for a while. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting part of our history. That's the scariest yeah, part of yeah. the series to me. Mm-hmm. And that was a reality. So anyways. Yeah, when you find in reality, it gets a little bit deeper, yeah. It gets a little bit deeper. So, anyways, we're driving. They're driving. They're driving. The sheriff is behind them, and he's he's actually tapping on their bumper, so like they can't speed or get pulled over. It's just it's so stressful. They make it across the tracks just in time. Like literally, like ten seconds left to spare. They had just made it. And dun dun dun. And then we all have this deep sigh of relief. We're we're so happy they made it. Woohoo! And then there's a bunch of deputies right down the road waiting on them. And I was like, God damn it. Can't catch yeah, a break. I was like, you gotta be kidding me right now. I was like, so you literally, I, I mean, I don't know why I'm shocked, but it was just like you were sitting, I was sitting there as an audience member, like, you're literally letting them do all of that. Just so you know, you have everybody, <laughs> like every police officer, you get every fine at the end, at the end of the line. It's the world we live in. White people stay winning. Um, right. <laughs> I, was like, I was just sitting there like, you never, like, you don't understand why you're still shocked, but you are. It's, yeah. like, it's just like crazy. Uh, well, prepared to be shocked even more. So <laughs> they take them by gunpoint into the woods, guns to their heads, and they want they question them. Why are you in this town? What are you looking for? And, you know, they try to like, hey, we're just passing through, you know. Well, can you tell us about these robberies that were in the next town over? Like, well, you can search our car, sheriff. And they call him by his name. I never caught his name. Um, but the sheriff is super suspicious because he's like, if you guys are just passing through, how do you know my name? And then they start to like prepare to shoot them. And you're like, no. And then blood everywhere. <laughs> blood everywhere. You started into this is when this this show, um, this is one of the moments I was talking about. Um, mm. not like I necessarily like the gore. But it took a very like Jurassic Park turn for me. Yes, and I was like, "Ooh, this now this is exciting! I can get into this because it was it was like taking a scene that you was just like, this. I'm so tired of saying it. it's so horrible. It's reality mm-hmm. that they have to show, but it was such a in a way it was a breath of fresh air to see it change <laughs> on their side because I was so tired of. I was like, "Oh my god, we already we know where this is going." Like when they had him in the woods. You like, please just let me get through this. Just let me get through the scene. Oh Lord, they tore them white people up, child. It was stubborn. Yeah, like, I was like, Did this just, am I watching a different kind of Jurassic Park? Did you just turn? <laughs> stubborn limbs, blood, guts, gore. It was an arm holding on to a flashlight. Yeah, it, it went left 
quick. And I quick. was glad the people of color was not on the side. Right. Was they were not getting killed now. So everybody's disperses. They start to run. So Letty and Tick take off. Uncle George runs behind them, but he gets knocked over by one of the panicking cops. Yeah. So Uncle George does the smart thing now. Hey, these creatures are eating up everybody. I'm going to stay low. Yeah, he's going to stay just- low. <laughs> I'm just alone. I'm just sit here until they go away. So Letty and Tick run into this abandoned cabin. They kind of hold themselves up, hold themselves up in there. And then the sheriff, who's bit up pretty bad, and like one of his last remaining deputies shows up, and they're like, "Let us in! Let us in!" They like, "No, nah, y'all got it. Y'all stay out there." But they shoot their way in. <laughs> so you know, Tick has no choice. He lets them in, yeah. and they're like. You know what was that? What happened out there? You know, any every every horror trope come to mind, and they're like, "Well, where's Uncle George?" So Tick wants to go get him, and the sheriff's not having it. Like, no, you are not leaving. And he points a gun at him, and Tick is like, "You can shoot me if you want to, but you won't leave these creatures back here." Lucky for them, they end up seeing Uncle George walking up, and apparently yeah. he was walking through the woods with his little flashlight. Them creatures was looking at him, but they did not attack. So. I guess that was a positive. They hole up and they just, they've realized that maybe, you know, these are fantastical creatures. They're the children of the night. And Uncle George deduces that they're vampires or like vampires because they're afraid of the light. Clearly they stayed away from his flashlight. We didn't see them all day. They showed up at the night at, you know, in the middle of the night and they just tear you apart. So yeah, all we have to do is wait until sun, the, the sun comes up, you know, just a few more hours. Hey, um. Yeah, the sheriff is more like. I'm sorry. Go ahead, right? Oh no, no, you good? I was just saying, or get some light somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things. So the sheriff is like, "Well, you know, give give me that flashlight, so, you, so we know your theory is right." And you know, they decide to go to the car, and the sheriff's like, "No." Tick, you ain't going to. Well, he don't know Tick's name, but he tells Tick he can't go to the car. You know, he's too smart for his own good. He might take yeah. off without them. So he sends Letty, the the woman, because <laughs> he knows that's like the guarantee that Tick will behave himself. So Letty's like, "It's okay. I'll run to the car. I'll turn the headlights. I used to be a track star. How convenient." Uh, <laughs> that yeah, she ran. Like, well, that works in your favor, I guess. Yeah, convenient. She ran track. Hopefully she ran cross country. So, um, <laughs> so Letty decides to run out, and I feel for Letty Child. I feel for her. I cannot imagine just running from my life through these woods with I these creatures. I can't. Creatures. We would have thought of things, boy. I would go. I don't even know if I would know to stop at the car. She was like, oh, oh, oh. Right? that would have been me. I would have passed out. Just eat me. Take me. I can't take. <laughs> I can't. I can't take pressure. But apparently, the worst fate here is not death. Um, much to um, <laughs> to Uncle George's theory, they really are vampires. You get bit by a vampire. Guess what? You turn into one too. Mm. So the sheriff slowly starts to turn into a vampire. Uncle George is like, uh, to deputy, you, you, you might want to shoot him. <laughs> he was just like, I don't want to shoot him. Tick's like, shoot the motherfucker. <laughs> cause he's like, like more- yeah, that, that whole scene, it was funny, but it wasn't funny. Cause it was like scary all at the same time. But they were, I was like, are y'all serious right now? Like he really right. get ready to change. Clearly, so he morphs and he bites into his deputy, and then he starts to morph. And we're like, "Oh my gosh, they gotta fight these creatures inside this cabin! All is lost. Yeah, Where's Letty? That was crazy. Letty's turning on the headlights. The creatures are coming after her, but they clearly they are scared of the light because it dived directly underneath of Ooh, the. Um, yeah, that scene was crazy. Yeah, 
and she starts to flash him with her camera. So she ends up saving the day. She crashes into the cabin just as the creatures approach Tick and George. And uh, but they 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 mess up the car, so they can't they can't go anywhere. The headlights are gone, and the creatures surround them. They get like flare lights, and the, this scene was beautifully shot. Like you can see this red yeah, everywhere, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And our heroes like shrunken in, and then these creatures approaching them, and all seems lost. And then you hear a whistle, like a dog whistle. I can't whistle, but. You know, it was good. It was good effort. Though. I see where you're going with it. You try to, yeah. Someone teach you how to whistle. Um, <laughs> so they they hear the dog whistle, and then the creatures leave, and they're just left shell shocked. Like, what a night. Yep, that's crazy. <laughs> so that ends, you know, the road in the Midwest, and we end up in Artem. So our heroes, our trio of heroes, are left shell shocked, exhausted, soaked in blood soaked in white people's blood um (laughs) as the sun comes up and they wander upon this gorgeous sprawling mansion they notice the silver car parked in a driveway quite interesting there and they are greeted at the door you know they're just showing up like they're just trying to find you know humanity society whatever to you know to kind of separate from all that happened the night before i'm sure they were not expecting old boy to open the door um, this beautiful blonde man played by Jordan Patrick Smith, who says, We've been expecting you, Mr. Freeman. Welcome home. And you're like, huh? Uh, <laughs> like, screw no, ain't nothing good come from that. Nothing good come from no white man opening a door, welcoming you no. into his mansion. Nothing. So that is where we are left with with this first episode called Sundown. So final thoughts for you, Ryan. Yeah, I I'm I'm just loving the um uh, all black cast, black people behind the scenes, and it's just adventure, sci-fi. I love it. I just hope there's like more. I hope this inspires because I'm well, I'm hearing a lot of good reviews and people getting into it. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I hope it inspires more in the genre. But yeah, I'm loving it. I just I can't wait to see what it's going. Hope we hopefully we figure out exactly where these creatures is burying from, how this dog whistle was working. <laughs> who this white man is, who that white right. lady is. Right, yeah. <laughs> Explain the white people. Where the white people gotta do with this? <laughs> uh, what does that have to do with with you know Tick's legacy, this birthday right. he's speaking of? Where does everyone fall into play? Like, what is, what is, it's like an overarching conspiracy theory. I want to know what's happening. So we do learn um, that next week, you know, we're, we're treated to them exploring the house. We're not going to get into details, but yeah, it's it's very like, yeah, it's very eyes wide shut to kind of give you guys a perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, a lot at this point, by the time this episode drops, a lot of our, listeners have already seen the episode so hopefully you guys just enjoy yeah. our breakdown our perspective um we'll definitely be back for more recaps we're going to finish this series out so i'm really looking forward to breaking everything down giving you guys behind the scenes little, you know getting into the history the awesome soundtrack we'll definitely have all that guy all that for you guys in the next um upcoming weeks um anything else you want to say ryan uh nope just let us um you guys know by now where you can like reach us on all the social medias and just let us know like give us your comments let us know what you're thinking um you know what questions we can discuss them on the show um because there's a lot like uh like angelica telling you guys there's a lot to unpack so yeah we're oh, cool to like to discuss it with you guys so send us some comments and stuff so yeah it's gonna be interesting yes yeah, so let us know i'm at melon and mommy 2816 on twitter ryan is at november bear 
Um, you can also find us at Black Girl Nerds, at Black Girl Geeks, and at BJN Podcasts. And we will see you guys next week, or actually in a few weeks, and we'll be discussing Whitey on the Moon, episode two. So stay tuned, guys. Bye. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds Podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audio Boom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.